DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time to talk with our basketball insider, Steve Cleveland. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret, Utah's in an extreme drought currently. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Steve, good morning. Good morning, guys. I am curious about your emotion. I think a lot of fans, now that the Jazz are out of the playoffs, can watch an NBA game, or at least part of an NBA playoff game, and not really root that hard one way or another, just kind of watch the game. But I imagine you watching the Clippers play. You coached Paul George in college. You know he's had games that are hard to explain, and he's taking a lot of heat for him because he's underperformed. And that's, you know, those are facts and part of history. And then you come on the radio and you don't want to light your guy up. And I totally get that. But what are you thinking when you turn on a game and it's an elimination game and they're on the road and he's just crushing it, playing one of his best games, shooting 75% from the floor and never blinking? I guess the best way to start this off would be to say that when you have a player that you're close to, it's kind of like having your kid play. I mean, it's kind of like I don't. I do not get nervous or anxious about watching games, regardless of who's playing. I mean, it, 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 it just. But when it's an individual that you're connected to, uh, it, it's, it can be painful. And uh, so when things don't go well, and I'm looking at this series, and I'm thinking, okay, this this could easily be Clippers up three <laughs> one without Kawhi Leonard. You know, I mean, it's a it's a couple of missed free throws, it's a turnover here, and obviously Paul's going to be involved in the mix no matter what because he's playing, he's logging, you know, 43, 44, 45 minutes a game. And so when you play those kinds of minutes, you're more prone to make mistakes, and he's made some mistakes. But last night uh, I was driving from uh, from Clovis, California, to, to Vegas. I'm on my way to Utah to go see my family. It was one of my sons in Provo, and uh, – I mean, I'm a nervous wreck listening to the thing on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, uh, it, was, it was fun because we got to the hotel and I got to actually see the last quarter and a half in person. But you know what? I was so happy for him. And, uh, you know, he, I, I will tell you this. The, the fatigue factor for him, when he's made his biggest blunders and made mistakes and struggled, uh, I, I really believe part of it is, uh, and everybody's going to have a different opinion, but, man, he looks gassed. And he, he's tired, and as they all are, because they're playing five, six, seven guys a game. They're not playing a lot, you know. They're not playing many guys because they don't have them. But last night, man, I felt so good. I mean, I felt like you know one of my children did real well in a in a choir, pro, you know, and they were in the choir or they were in a play or they were in, in a ball game. I mean, it, it was good, and uh, I slept better last night, uh, knowing that they, that was a huge win. I mean, there was no one on the planet. I thought the Clippers were going to win. I mean, there's no one unless it was related. Somebody had was related to a player. Uh, it wasn't happening, and so uh, that was a huge win. But <clears throat> there's a lot more basketball still to be played. Uh, I would hope they would go back home and play just like this, and then make that seventh game pretty special. Who knows? I mean, I, the Suns. Uh, Chris Paul did not play well yesterday. Uh, I think the the mask and all the issues with the nose is not. It's not been easy on. On uh, excuse me, on, on what's happening with them, but with Booker, but uh, I believe I, I'm hopeful that it'll go seven games, and then we'll see what happens. So it's it's been fun, fun to watch. Do you think anything has clicked with Paul George? I think because for me, 
uh, you know, shots are going in, but I, he's always been a premier player. So I'm not sure beyond shots going in that there's anything different. But from what you know of him and what you've seen, do you think otherwise? So, so first of all, he's a really, really good defender. And nobody ever hardly ever talks about that. And his length and his, and he's a great defender in college. I mean, he became a better defender just through strength and conditioning. And even when in college, when he, he wasn't a great shooter. But, uh, you know, I, I think that he, I mean, I know the young man pretty well. And he, and he is a, a very kind, he's a great teammate. Guys, you know, he gets along well with his teammates. And, and, and there's no way in, in the world. I mean, I would like to say, well, you know, they're not care, they don't care about that. They're not watching that. But you and I know that social media and all of those things going on, that these, these guys are so connected to it, you know. And I'm, I'm hopeful. I don't have the access. To, to him right now, but I would just say, please do not listen to talk radio. Please do not get on the internet. Just focus in on yourself and uh, and be the best version of who you can be. And I mean, guys are going to make mistakes. I mean, the two the two plays before he missed those two free throws were big time baskets to put him in a position to win the game. But uh, you know, and I get it. Everybody's going to focus on what happened at the end. You missed the free throws, and there you are. And you got to make you got to make those in those kind of situations if you be want, want to be one of the elites. And I, and I do consider him to be one of the in the you know the top twenty players in the NBA. I mean he he's demonstrated that over a long period of time, nine or ten years. But uh, he's had some hiccups. I understand it. Tough on him. Tough on his old coach. But I, I'm proud of what he does, who he is, and couldn't have been happier last night with uh, how he played. It just took over the game because he didn't play well the first half. I mean. I was I listening. I was listening to it on the radio, and it seemed like he was deferring. He didn't want to, you know, jump into it. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, he's turning the ball over. He's deferring to other guys. He has to do. It. He can't be afraid to fail here, or they'll have no chance of winning. And and certainly, you think you think about that game, and how that thing started, and they jumped out to a quick lead, and and uh, you know, and the Clippers were in a situation where they were going inside and. I mean, they were playing well, and I, I kept waiting for them to just kind of tide to turn, and eventually the Suns would take over, the fans would take over, but it never happened. I mean, they took a short league, I think, in the second half by a point or two, but wow. And, and Tyrone Lue, I mean, he has pushed all the right buttons. I mean, whether they're in a zone, whether they're in man-to-man, whatever they're doing, if, if people wondered if this guy could coach, I mean, I think a lot of people thought, well, he had, you know, he had LeBron James, he, you know, he had – Kyrie Irving, you know, you had guys that didn't require great coaching to win an NBA championship. But I, I, I think he's done an amazing job coaching right now and made all the adjustments. And uh, to go in there and win, you, it, it's, it's not an easy place to win. It's a loud place. And uh, so I, I think Tyrone Lou is, is to give, be given a lot of credit as well. Steve Cleveland joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. As impressive as the Game 5 win was, is it something they can replicate in Game Six or Seven? They had three guys really score it well, and they don't have that many options because they have so many guys out injured. Uh, so it's still the Suns, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think the Suns are still in the position to win this thing. When you think about, uh, you know, the Clippers at home uh, the first time. And, you know, the game is uh, – that second game when it was 84-80 to 80 and the Clippers go 5-31 for 31 at home. 
uh, you would think at home they could they would play better. Uh, but Morris was special, and Cousins, you know, they got 15 points out of Cousins in very few minutes. And uh, I think that I think the zone was ingenious. I think playing Cousins inside and, and attacking, especially backup guys, that uh, you know, when the big fellow wasn't inside there for, for Phoenix. Uh, you know, those, those were big, big baskets. And Reggie Jackson doesn't seem to be afraid of anything. And really, when you think about it, uh, he, he had a huge second half as well, made big baskets. And then Paul just played well throughout the, you know, I mean, definitely the second half. First half, he didn't play great. Second half, he was unbelievable. So they believe they can go home. I mean, I would think that they'll go home and not be 5-31 to 31 from the three-point line. And because that's a game that, they should have won. I mean, besides the two missed free throws, really being at home and and Paul going one for nine and Jackson going two for nine and them going five for 31, uh, you know, and Phoenix still barely wins. So I, I, I feel like they'll go home. They'll shoot it better. I like the fact they're changing defenses uh, and, and not just doing the same thing and letting the Suns get in a routine. And, I mean, Chris Paul is going to have to play a lot better than he did. Uh, last night, and uh, you know, I, I think for them to win there, but I, I think the Clippers win at home, uh, and I think that the Suns have the advantage at home going back home, just because these guys will have logged so many minutes, and it's been a long process. I just, I just don't know if they can pull another one out of the rabbit out of the hat here. Uh, it seems unlikely that they could, but I maybe it's just my uh, prejudice towards the Clippers <laughs> and the fact that I think they can win at home, right? Uh, they didn't play there very well last time. So I hope they'll play better. I hope that they'll be in a situation where there can be a seventh game. This has been a pretty amazing Clipper team when you consider most of it's been done. All Most of this work's been done without Kawhi. Uh, it, it's put the spotlight on Paul, which hasn't been great for him at times. But at the end of the day, when these guys look back, whatever happens here going three series like this, being down two games, uh, there'll, there'll be something to, to say, hey, you know what? There were a lot of good things that happened here. We didn't get to the NBA Finals, but uh, we'll have to see. But they got they got to beat them home. they got to play a lot better at home than they did last time if they want to get into that seventh game. I continue to be surprised why the Suns don't go to eight and more. I don't think he has enough FGAs. Yeah, you know, uh, he, he does, he, he's a, you know, he's, he's good in the pick and rolls, and obviously he's, uh, but he's not really a low post guy. I mean, he just, I mean, he has a presence there. And when he runs the floor and, and when Booker comes off that thing, and, and you know, the, the thing is the Clippers didn't give him many opportunities. I mean, they, they changed the defenses all the time and played it differently. And, and, and really, Aiton has played well in this series. Don't get me wrong. He played really well. I mean, everybody's focusing on the, on the dunk at the end to win the game. But he's played really well. But I, I, don't, I don't think he's a significant low post, give me the ball. Let's, I mean, the NBA didn't play that way. I mean, it's kind of like it's an afterthought. I mean, it's just like, get out of the low post, let's pound it inside. They don't do that anymore. <laughs> you know, they did it with Cousins a little bit at the end, and they put, you know, they, they post Morris up more than anybody. It, well, they will pound it in. But the Clippers are one of the few teams that really kind of pound the ball inside. It, the NBA today is more about screening moles, more about spreading the floor, more about gapping, you know, and getting in situations where we can attack off the dribble. And, uh, you know, Aiden, for, for the Suns to get to the next level as well, and they did very well win the whole thing. But he, he's, he's been really good, and he's gotten better. He's only three years into the league. Uh, but at the end of the day, 
maybe the system won't allow him to ever really be a low post guy, but that, that hardly exists anymore in the NBA as far as the things that I've watched. It, it's true, it hardly exists, but it seems like when you've got a good big guy, you've got to find a way for him to consistently get touches and impose his will. I mean, you know from watching games that all baskets aren't created equal. Some just happen, others change momentum and change the flow of the game. And kind of the physical but, dominance a big guy gives you is a positive. But how do you get that outside of, A, the pick and roll and the alley-oop and the easy bucket, or B, the post-up? I mean, isn't there, is there some other way to do that? You know, I was, I was listening to uh, some NBA analysts yesterday, and they were talking about this. And, and one, just as I was driving to, to Vegas, and it was, it was interesting talking about how the game has changed. But it's kind of like, when's the last time you saw an NBA coach false quick hitters or special plays and do things out of timeouts. And, you know, he was just, and this is a guy that's been in the league for a long time. He was Reggie Tillis, and he was talking about, you know, I'd, I'd like to see guys coming out of timeouts and running something where, where we go, we pound that thing inside or we run some action where we can get the ball in the paint. And when you think about it, when, when the Suns really made the run and Cousins went in, and he scores 15 points in a real quick period of time, it was all right around the rim. They were throwing the ball inside to him. Because he's a wide body, that that's the game that he has. And but I no, I completely agree. I mean, I think that's something that's missing. I think that, I mean, for me, you call a timeout for three minutes, you come out and run the same high pick and roll. But why would you not run something a quick hitter? Why not run a, a specific set? Why not try to open the floor and pound it inside? And, and if you don't have a guy, then, then post up a guard. You know, post up whomever. I mean, every team's different. But I, I don't see that action anymore, and, and and I think that it's missing, and I think people are missing out. I, I understand the flow of the game and all the things that happen, but when you got a six seven or a six eight, I mean, like it's one of, it's one of those things where you could run a little baseline flex cut and have the guy come off and get a quick post up, open the floor, and, and just pound it inside. I mean, there's so many different ways to get the ball in the post, and you're talking to a coach who, and you know, during my lifetime of coaching, that's what we did. We tried to pound the thing in the paint. I, I probably still got 25 special quick hitters that how to get how to get guys in the post and how to score and how to isolate people and and those kinds of things. But that's one thing as I watch the NBA. Uh, and listen, these are the, some of the greatest coaches. Well, they are the greatest coaches in the world. They are great coaches and they have to manage and do a lot of things. But I, I don't see a lot of things happening coming out of timeout sometimes where I'm, I'm expecting them to run something and some action to get the ball to a specific guy to get to the free throw line. To stop the bleeding when they've gone six possessions in a row and they haven't scored, you don't. I don't see that a lot in the NBA. I just don't. And uh, and hey, listen. I mean, I have absolute respect for those guys and those coaches, but I think that's an element that's missing. And I think there is a place for throwing the ball in the post. And it doesn't have. If your post guy is is skinny and you know not strong enough, then find a two guard, find a three man, find that isolation, uh, and, and go from there. So, yeah, I completely agree that Aiton could be a dominant player inside. You think about the summer, just working on low post stuff and figuring out three, you know, figure out three or four or five sets that are going to run during the course of the game. Work on that all summer so he comes in with confidence and he, he feels stronger and better about that. Developing him. I mean, he's a great player and he, man, he's playing good and for a guy that's only been in the league three years. And I think he's really responded to Chris Paul and the coaching staff. But I, I think there's a next level for him if he can learn how to score in a block. What do you think is going to happen with Danny Ainge? 
Man, the very first moment I heard, and, and I, I know that Ryan and Danny are good friends, and I know that they, that they both have great respect for each other. I know nothing about that, but I will be shocked if Danny Ainge is not part of that. And uh, I, I know that, uh, you know, he's in Utah a lot, and uh, I know that at one point in time, uh, I know, and it would have made sense, too, because they have family out here, and that uh, they'd have a place out here because they have children out here and they have grandkids out here. But, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think, I think his role will be different, but I think that to me, it just seems from the outside looking in that, that he's going to be a part of that, that program. But I have no insight. You, have, you all have way more inside information than I do, but it, it makes sense, especially because there is a really, really strong relationship uh, between Ryan and Daddy. It feels like everybody who has any connection to BYU, including parking services, will tell you <laughs> what you just said. Yep. I, I know. And you know I parking know. services connected. I don't wanna I don't wanna take any shots at parking <laughs> services. I don't want more tickets. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I don't I don't know. And, and you all I we've had you know, we've had a couple conversations about Dennis Lindsay and, and off the record, and, and, and I knew that there seemed to be things that maybe weren't right there and that changes take place. Sometimes it's good. You know, I happened to have a couple of experiences with Dennis uh, when I had gotten back from Indiana when we served a mission out there. And I, I came by and wanted to talk to him. I was trying to figure out what I was going to do. And you know what? He was amazing with me. I mean, he didn't even take a minute with me. We had dinner together, went to a game, and uh, and just shared with me insights. So, um Whatever the positives and negatives, I mean, the fact he had, he had he made a mark there. I mean, obviously he hired Quinn. I mean, that was a pretty good move. He was involved in Donovan and and Gobert and, and and them being there. So he did a lot of really good things. I realize there's personalities. I realize there's a lot of things going behind the scenes that nobody knows anything about. But I will say this about Dennis with me. I mean, he treated me with great kindness. I had no idea who he was, and uh, I spent a couple hours with him. And uh, he gave me some really good insights. So uh, he's had a great I think He's been in the business 20 or 25 years. So I don't know what his next step is or what he's going to do, but um, it, that, it's just part of it. It's part of it. I mean, you make changes, and whether it's personality conflicts or whether it's a different vision, uh, who knows what it is. Change happens all the time, not just in the NBA, everywhere in coaching. And, and uh, so uh, hats off to him for all the good things he did there. Steve, we appreciate the time. Thanks a lot. You see, guys, maybe I'll uh, come up and uh, say hello. I'll be I'll be in town for about seven or eight days. We'll catch up. All right, that'd be good. Steve Cleveland, see ya. our basketball insider, join us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jonathan Feigen, Houston Rockets writer for the Houston Chronicle. Changes in Houston. They're going to get back in the mix in the West and how quickly. We'll talk with Jonathan coming up in about 15 minutes. Stay with us.